Episode 34 of the Paul George Show welcomes Kelly Pease Lombardi. It had more to do with me than anything else. You know, something inside of me that kind of kept me back from that experience of community. Why do we withhold ourselves from the people that we live our lives with? The Paul George Show! Welcome to the Paul George Show. This week, Paul welcomes Kelly Pease Lombardi. He discusses how to bring men back to church, an eight-year-old who saved his dad's life, and Paul's crisis with a washing machine. And now, from Christ Our King Studios in Lafayette, Louisiana, the manly Paul George. Welcome to the Paul George Show. Great to be with you today in studio with the infamous and famous Adam Conk. How are you doing today, man? Great. How are you? I'm, I'm famous and infamous. That's that's hard. Yeah, you're kind of like, uh, man, you're on call right now, bro. Yes. Like, your wife is literally about to go into labor. Any minute. So... Yeah, I mean, we're doing a couple days, and, you know, as you know, that means any minute. Any minute. Keep your phone on. It's here. Don't put it on silent. It'll it'll. Yeah. So you you gotta have it. So, this, so if I leave the show, everybody, that's why. This is how old I am. When our first kid was born, my wife's pregnant. You got a telegram. Um, we bought our very first cell phone. Nice. So they weren't really a thing. They were kind of coming out, and the cell phone was literally, um, like as big as like a large fountain drink. Like it was, <laughs> it was huge. What a description that is. Yeah, and like you had to like you almost had to have like a belt for it. You know, like you and the battery even, lasted like eight seconds. You couldn't even fit it in in your pocket. So anyway, now now they're sleek, they're lean, they're clean, they break all the time, they're yep. expensive. It's perfect. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. <laughs> so anyway, man, uh, great to be with you today. So I was looking at this. Have you seen this? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? For real though. Okay. There was this kid, <laughs> and I've mentioned this before, but I want to mention this again. This kid in Idaho, uh, eight years old, whose dad was working underneath his car, and the car fell on him. And the older brother was working, but he was inside, and the dad's you know chest is being crushed by the car, and this little eight-year-old... Um, basically, you know, it was like praying in his mind. He said angels helped him uh, to jack the car up. So basically he picked the car up so his dad could get out. Using a jack. Yeah. Yeah, have you seen wow. this? Yeah, yeah. But, but <laughs> which is a miracle nonetheless. So the guy's okay, I so, Yeah, so the, the little kid says, well, how did you do that? And he, he literally responds to the news people and says, uh, my angels came and helped me. For real? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Um, so it says, but JT, who weighs, this is what I love. So a British news agency picked up the story as well. And it says, but JT, who weighs just three and a half stones. <laughs> <laughs> How much is that? Is that, a, is that an actual measurement in Britain? Uh, uh, apparently. Wow. Three and a half stones. How many? How old is this kid? How, Eight. How many stones are you? Like, like, do you get like what is their measuring system? Their weights? Like, <laughs> you become like a, a rock, a it's boulder. Probably, probably twenty pounds ish. You go stone, rock, yeah, boulder. boulder. You're a mountain. Crag. 
You're a mountain. You're a mountain of a <laughs> Don't man. Don't call me that is, on is, air. Is that where it comes from? You're a mountain Maybe. of a man. That's crazy. Does that mean you're well, big? This story large? just blows my mind in a few few ways. One, when I am working on my car under, I always have a fear that that exact thing's going to happen. So I'm glad to know that if it does happen, you could still be okay. Yeah, if you're underneath the car, man, you need to support it in, in more ways. It says Mr. Parker started yelling to JT, jack up the car, jack it up quick. I couldn't move it at all. He was totally trapped. Um, and then it was scary. And he says, you know, then his angels came and helped him. Uh, so, but the, the dad had 13 broken ribs. So anyway, one for every month of the year. So you, um, so did people pay attention to this? Like when was this? Because this is fascinating. That kid claims to have seen angels actually helped him save his dad. Yeah. And I always wonder about stories like this. Like why doesn't the world pay attention to these kinds of story did circulate because I think, the fact that there, there's really no way to explain how this kid jacked his car up. Like, he didn't have physical... Like, um, when he would push down on the jack, it would push him up. So, oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. so, so the, the jack weighed more than him, and so he couldn't he couldn't even, with all his weight, push it down. Oh, my goodness. So this is why the story's circulating, because people were like, there's no way the kid could have physically done this. Something had to um, help him. You know, so... You know, whether they're skeptical or they believe it's circulating because I think people kind of are intrigued by the fact that, you know, there, there had to be a higher power or something else that happened, you know. Well, this is, where I, this is where I really find the faith of, like, scientistic-type people amazing. Because when you look at a situation like this, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but some people can just dismiss anything like that and say, oh, it's like some kind of you know, brain chemical anomaly and then move on. Right. Like never have, never have to actually settle this issue in their mind. Um, because that, I mean, that, that is something that needs to be settled. That is a, that's an amazing thing that happened. Which is why I love the church. Um, because the church brings together both faith and science, faith and reason. And a recent, um, you know, guy, the, the Cardinal in charge of the Vatican science research said, if, if you're afraid of science, then you lack faith. Hmm. And this whole idea, like the more and more that we research science, the more and more we discover faith. We discover who God is more. So we shouldn't be afraid of of exposition, uh, of exploration, I should say, and, and seeking um, the truth through science because that's not leading us further away from faith. It's actually leading us to discover more and more of who God is. Can I ask you a question? Though? Yep. So you've, you've met a lot of people around the country that have... Or into faith. Like you visit a place, you get to know people. Right. And you've probably heard stories of people saying, I saw angels, I saw this or that. Mm-hmm. Like how do you how do you respond to these types of things? Because you have circumstances like this that seem incredible. Mm-hmm. And then some that seem, well, maybe there was like, you know, when, when you had an angel appear on your toast this morning, like maybe it was just the way that it burned in the uh, toaster. Right. So what do you do when you... When well, you even with them? this story, I, I mean, I can't say for certain the angels happen, but right. I can say in faith it's possible. Mm-hmm. You know, I can say it's possible that angels showed up, you know. To have no faith is to say there's absolutely no way that that happened. You know, so I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think we can get into it too far where it's like, yeah, you know, like, you know, we over-spiritualize everything, mm. right? Like, they're, the face of Jesus is in my toes. Well, yeah, I guess that could happen, but did it? Yeah, I don't know. If you did research on it and stuff, maybe it was just <laughs> the way that toast was made. Uh, but we, we can't eliminate the fact that God can do anything. 
and everything if he chose to and wanted to, right? Mm. So if God wanted to send an angel to pick the car up, it definitely can happen because we know an angel, you know, came to Mary and Joseph, and we know that Mary was um, conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. We know that these miracles happen then, and we must believe that these miracles can happen now. I mean, even if you look like we're approaching 100 years since Fatima, right? We look 100 years ago where where the apparition of Mary uh, to, to the kids at Fatima happened. It's 100 years later. Um, that same thing can still happen. Those miracles can still happen. And the same miracles that happened 2,000 year, years ago with Christ can happen today. The same power of the Holy Spirit that, that, that moved on the church at Pentecost and the first Pentecost can still happen today. The same ways that the burning bush happened in the Old Testament can still happen today. So we can't just eliminate and say, no, that's impossible. But certainly we can't over-spiritualize everything and, and you know, think that, you know, you know, there's an angel in my toast. <laughs> but even if there is, I guess maybe we shouldn't be that surprised. Like when God does actually intervene, you know, like what effect should it have in my life here in Lafayette, Louisiana, if somebody in, you know, Albuquerque, New Mexico has this vision of an angel? Like, that's awesome. That inspires my faith. But should I be that surprised? Like, should I do an end zone dance and and kind of obsess over it? Or should I just say, wow, that's awesome. God's great. And then kind of move on, you know? Right. I, I think we should always be, like, in awe of God. Be like, of course God's real. Of course he's moving. Of course an angel showed up. Of Of course... Uh, you know, God spoke to me in prayer or or God asked me to do this or moved me to do this. We should expect God to be alive. Mm. We should expect God to move in our life. And our lack of faith kind of goes through our day and our life and just says, yeah, that was just me. That was just something else. God's not a part of this. But when we step back from it, really the church, Scripture, really asks us to be in awe of God, to... to in the Old Testament, they use the word to be in fear. If you look at the word fear, like to be in fear of God, that that means to be in awe, to be awestruck on who God is and what God can do. So as Moses was walking through the desert and a bush starts burning and God starts talking to him, I'm sure he freaked out. I'm sure he's like, what's going on? But at the end of the day, he had to say, of course. Why wouldn't God do that? God's God. He's bigger than me. He can do whatever he wants, and he will. Yeah, he will. He will, and he does. So, you know, I think I weigh more than, you know. You're several stones, I would imagine. Three and a half stones. <laughs> and if I was there, I could jack it up by by natural strength, and so could you, but this kid couldn't. And That's amazing. And the fact that he could give credit to his age. He, he basically was like, I have no idea I did that. <laughs> so, anyway... Excited to be here today. We got a great show as always. Um, tons of awesome topics today, Adam, and some new stingers and a lot of cool things. And we're great. So, Paul Giorgio, we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity Healthcare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? 
Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Loving the music in the background and great to be with you, Paul George Show. Great show today. So I decided to take Adam out of timeout for this segment and bring you back into the arena. This is unprecedented. I I feel so out of place. What do I do with my hands? uh, You can leave them right there. Okay. Uh, Just don't touch me. Okay. Um, Can't touch this. And uh, we like to change things up. We love that. Right. So people get all predicted predictable about our show put us in a box we'll bust out exactly exactly so anyway we're talking about this kid who picked up this car and you know he gave credit to his angels <laughs> which mm-hmm. is awesome um i don't know if at eight years old i would have given credit to my angels but i do now anyway i had a similar story not long ago um i didn't pick up a car but we i think on the la- maybe one of the last shows i talked about how we went on vacation to san antonio mm-hmm. do you remember that yeah okay so we're driving th- these are the types of things that happen to me so we're driving down the interstate um san antonio now the interstate is you know it it's six lanes okay so three or four lanes on each side at least going in the same direction um, going in different directions. Oh, okay. Okay. So f- we're in four lanes or three or four lanes going in one direction. Okay. So we're driving, you know, and, and speed limit on the interstates, 75. It's high. Right. You're, you're rolling. Okay. So all I'm look ahead and I see this big thing in the middle of the interstate. That's not a car. That's not moving. That's laying in the middle of the road. And then I see a truck on the side of the road, like the shoulder. Uh, and then I see cars like, swerving around this thing and i think maybe it's a box or something that flew out of the car and i don't know it, it what it was but i immediately just saw the guy looking pitiful on the side of the road truck and i had enough time to pull over and tell my wife it's like i'm gonna stop and help him whatever's going on because i'm thinking somebody's gonna hit this thing in the middle of the road somebody's gonna wreck somebody's gonna have an accident and something bad's gonna happen so i, I swerved got on the shoulder and my wife's like what are you getting you can't what before she knew it, I just hopped out the car. So mm-hmm. I run to this guy. I run to the side of this guy, and I was like, "Hey, do you need help?" And I'm looking out into the interstate now. I'm standing on the shoulder, and I can't fully tell what what it is. It's just just this big white thing. Okay, square. Looks like a like a you know, looks like a washer or dryer or something. I didn't really know oh at goodness. the time. And so I start telling the guy like, "You need help," and he looks at me like I'm crazy. And I said, "Hey, do you need help?" Like it, it was like traffic's like flying by i can feel the the wind in my hair like flying from the sides of the cars as they're whipping by and they're swerving around this thing like we got to get this thing out of here and the guy's looking at me like i'm crazy and then i figured out that he does not speak english no no english poor before right no english please (laughs) no english please (laughs) no hablo espanolo So I'm standing on the side of the road trying to communicate with this guy and figure out he doesn't you know this. So I was like, let's go. So there was a break in the traffic. Like I could see the next car, but it was kind of far, which is odd for an interstate. And I was like, all right, let's go. Let's go get this thing. 
I fully know what it was. I just knew it was big enough that I was going to need help to get it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I run out in the middle of the interstate and I look back and he's not there. Jose is not <laughs> with me. He no no comprende. Uh, Jose, I cannot see. He is not with me. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? Like I'm in the so so I have, you know, seconds, seconds left. And I'm like, either I run back and try to talk to this guy in Spanish, ask him to come help me with the thing that he lost in the middle of the interstate, or I just grab it and take off. So I grabbed this thing. It's a it's a washing machine. I know this at the time. I flew out the back of his truck, mm. and I just start dragging this thing to the shoulder, and I got it off on the shoulder in time, right before the next car came, and I'm just like laughing in my head, like, <laughs> what are people looking at like me doing? And finally, the, there was another guy in the truck that pulled up that backed up on the interstate, and he could speak English, and the other guy could not. And we're all communicating and hugging on the side of. <laughs> you were hugging. They hugged me. They they <laughs> hugged me. Big old me. Uh, like thank you for saving our washing machine type hug. Thank you for saving our washing machine. Wow. And everything else, or what, <laughs> and everyone else who who could erect. And I, it was just a hysterical moment. But it was like my adrenaline was rushing yeah. because I knew this thing had to move. I knew people were going to wreck or pile up on the interstate, and I, and this guy couldn't do anything. And I don't I don't know. Like I don't know what promoted me to take action, right? Mm-hmm. Even in a dangerous situation. And we could say, oh, it was my angels, or whatever. But I, I mean, I think I think God prompts us to take action, to do things. Right, and then we're mm. we're in the middle of this Easter season that's moving uh, to Pentecost, and people who listen to the show on air or maybe will listen to it on podcast might hear the show around Pentecost, maybe after. It doesn't really matter when Pentecost when we celebrate it. Pentecost for us as Christians is every day. The reality that God sends His Son, who gives us His Spirit, the life of God to live inside of us, to move us to action, to take action into the world, to do good, to live for him, to, 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 to make a difference and to make an impact into the world. I think what's interesting about that idea of taking action is that it has to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. I think as men, sometimes that's difficult in the church because we hear we're supposed to be men of action, right? We're supposed to be go-getters for our family. We're supposed to get it done, you know. But maybe we don't also hear of the intimate relationship we're supposed to have with the Holy Spirit so that the action we take is actually inspired and aided by God himself. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where we need to recognize that nothing that we do uh, is on our own, right? Uh, God's given us uh, certain gifts um, and abilities, but, but if you rewind everything, God's given us life. Uh, And in that life, God ask us why, why we live this life that he's gracious with to live, that we would not live it for ourselves, but we would use this gift of our life uh, and, and live it to serve and love and do good in the world. And we don't do that on our own. And just like, you know, going back to the story of the kid with the angels, um, uh, we don't do it on our own. God doesn't leave us alone uh, and uh, lonely and, you know, off 
you know, to live life by ourselves. God gives us his life to live inside of us so that we have the ability to move forward, to take action, and to do good in the world. So when you're on that interstate, yeah, okay, you you just you just went into action. You had your kids in the in the vehicle. Yeah, too? my wife was freaking out. Yeah, Paul, what are you doing? I bet she's in that situation quite often. Yeah, <laughs> and there's just moments like that. Look, there's moments like that where I would have swerved around and kept going. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but something there, told you to stop. Something told me to stop. I mm-hmm. saw the panic in the guy's face. I saw how big this thing was. I saw that maybe what could happen. I don't know. It was just the ability. But um, but yeah, she was freaking out. But I, you know, I felt like I, I felt like I handled it okay. Um, but I don't always. But I knew that there was something promoting me or prompting me to to do that. And here's what's troubling to me, uh, Adam, in, in a lot of ways, and I don't want to harp on men, but I, I'm a man, you're a man. And so I feel like I have I have the ability to to sort of stand up uh, and be honest about um, our gender. Honesty about our gender. I love it. Yeah. And here's what's bothering me is that uh, the amount of men in our culture that are taking action for good, uh, that are going to church, that are church going, that are that are that are faith based men, is getting less and less and less uh, in our culture. So, uh, on a typical U.S. congregation, draws an adult crowd that typically is sixty one percent female and thirty nine percent male. Huge gender gap. On a given Sunday, there are 13 million more adult women than men in America's churches. Uh, this Sunday or any Sunday, almost 25% of married, church-going women will worship without their husbands. 25%? 25%. That's one in four. I'm really good at math. <laughs> That's a quarter, too. Midweek activities, okay, say a small group or a discipleship group or a Bible study, uh, often draw 70 to 80% female participants compared what? to men. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are men doing instead? The majority like, of the church employees are women, yeah, uh, except true. for ordained clergy. Uh, over 70% of boys who are being raised in church will abandon it. Check this out. Will abandon it during their teens and 20s. Many of these boys will never return. 70%. 70%. Okay, so this is direct relation to, um, to dad, yeah, to to dad, the man being involved in church. But here's the deal: it says more than ninety percent of American men believe in God, and five out of six call themselves Christians, but on, only one out of six attend church on a given Sunday. The average man accepts the reality of Jesus Christ, but fails to see the value of what it, what going to church really means and how it plays a part in our life. And so, in part, we, you know, the church ha- ha- has to do its part. Uh, but the other thing is that men have to do their part and take take a step forward and take action in the world. So, interestingly enough, I want to get our guest in the next segment, who's a woman, opinion on this. Mm-hmm. It'd be an interesting, whoa, man, interesting conversation. So, yeah, well, and uh, like you say, of course. We can do more things in the church for men, but I think one aspect of being a man is that you don't need someone to do something for you if you're going to do what's right. Like you do what's right, whatever the circumstance, 
and and God gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us as men, as women. But ask God, what do you want you to do? How can you take action, not only in the world, but in your local church and community, and be that man of faith uh, that stands and goes against the flow of traffic? Ha! Hey, tied it all together. This is the Paul George Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Paul George Show. Great to be with you. Uh, excited about our guest today. Uh, coming on here in our third segment, Kelly Pease Lombardi. Kelly, how you doing? Hey, doing good. All right, so Kelly Lombardi, Kelly Pease, Kelly Pease Lombardi. I mean, you've been so famous. <laughs> Such a big deal. And it's hard to try to keep up with me and all the, the amazing things that I do. But, yeah, so, you know, so I, what do we call you? Um, well, I guess you've got to call me Kelly Pease Lombardi because I'm a very married lady with a lot of kids, and I gotta, you know, respect the ring. Okay, K- uh, KPL. There we go. Um, okay. So anyway, great to have you on. So um, we're gonna do a big reveal today with you and I. Um, so, yeah. So this is something that most people do not know who are listening to the show. <laughs> so here's the big reveal. Okay. Here it is. Here Everybody it is. ready? Everybody ready? Uh, you. Yeah. Buckle up. You and you and I, you and I, are actually are related. Related. Yes. Yep. I'm gonna say it at the same time you are. <laughs> we are cousins. Yeah, that's the big reveal. We're actually not only we're cousins. Okay, check this out. We're first cousins. Your your mom, uh, who mm-hmm. who you know and I know, uh, and my mom, who who you know yep. and I know, are sisters. Right. That's right. That's how that worked. So that's how we became cousins. We share grandparents. We do. Yeah. And uncles and yeah. other yeah. family members. Yeah. So we're, so we're like closely related blood brother and sister. Um, I'm yeah. older. I'm like the the older brother cousin. But anyway, so that's the big reveal today. Um, but we're <laughs> so so we're dogs up off the floor, everybody. That just happened. That just happened. So we're gonna we're gonna call the segments that you're on when you come on the show just because. Just because <laughs> that's our segment title. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna have you on the show every now and then because so here's the deal about being cousins. You and I have been knowing each other obviously our whole life. Uh, you're mm-hmm. a few years younger than me, but uh, the fact that we're family and, and we share faith in common is we're really, really honest, and we can talk about things that most people don't or can't talk about. Um, yeah, true that. And so we, we just kind of have that relationship. So we want to invite people into those types of discussions with us or listening into the show. But I was talking to Adam in the first sec- in the last segment, and one of the things that has, has really been bothering me a lot is the statistics that I'm reading uh, about mm-hmm. the lack of men compared to women who are involved in their faith and who go to church at all or even regularly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, so the, the statistical gap is huge. It's like, you know, 61% female compared to 39% male. Um, yeah. Go that's to church. Big. Yeah. And I know you see this as you travel around speak or you go to church on Sundays and, and, and you try to mm-hmm. keep your family involved in your faith, you and your husband, Joey, but, what would be your opinion as as a woman uh, on why men, for the most part, uh, a lot of men, aren't 
um, actively involved in their faith or in the church? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I guess I haven't thought a whole lot about it, but just kind of listening to the statistic and thinking right now, I think it's so much more natural for a woman to um, long for and recognize that need for connection, you know, and I think that um, a woman, especially like for me, as I've grown in my marriage and in my motherhood, as, as I grow in my vacation, it's like I need this connection, this human connection, this adult connection, and I'm I'm looking for that. And I think maybe it's a little bit tougher to identify that for a man, or it's a little bit tougher for a man to find that connection. You know, what maybe as females we're more um, apt to show up someplace and kind of be vulnerable and bear our hearts a little bit and soak up what's being put out there. But maybe for a man, that's something that he doesn't find as readily. Hmm. That That's a good point. I think you, you really hit the, the nail on the head because it says here that 90% of American men believe in God, but only 39% will go to church. So there's a disconnect there. So it's not so much man doesn't believe in God or even have some type of faith, but an active faith or faith plugged in the community um, mm-hmm. is is certainly lacking, whereas for women, you're saying is you desire maybe a little bit more naturally to connect with other women, to connect with people, right. um, a little bit more apt to be vulnerable. Um, mm-hmm. But you mentioned community uh, in a sense, and you and I have talked about that. What What is it about community that either works or doesn't work or, you know, maybe yeah. even for, for men and women that we long for, yeah. but, but we're lacking. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you bring it up because I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And I think it seems like it's still on the forefront of so much of our conversation as Catholics striving to live holy life is this question of community and what does it look like and how do we find it? And I guess for me, it's been cool. Like Lent was really cool for me because I felt like God led me on this reflection kind of of, the last, I don't know, 10 years or so of my life, you know, I think any young parent would say the years of getting married and having babies and growing your family, it's all like a blur, isn't it? Like, you just don't know what right. has happened. And so kind of this time that I spent to really reflect on what's happened, and one of the big things that kept coming up in my prayer was this question of community. And and I feel like I see it all over the place, you know, in blogs and, and on the Internet and, and everywhere. People are saying, do you have community? And for me, God kind of showed me this transformation or this transition that he led me through of a time in my life where I didn't to a time in my life where I did. And what I really came out of my prayer time with was that it had more to do with me than anything else. You know, something inside of me that kind of kept me back from that experience of community. It has, it was more that than where I lived or, or what I was involved in, you know, if that makes sense. Yep. It, that's kind of the thing that I've been seeing and thinking about, and I think it's true for men and women. Like, why do we withhold ourselves from the people that we live our lives with? Because unless you're a hermit somewhere, like cloistered somewhere, you do have community if there are human beings, like, in your proximity. Right. You know, you have community. What's keeping you from investing in what's there? Yeah. I, well, we do all long for friendship and community. I think community is sort of this buzzword, but we all long for relationships, not only in our marriages, but but deep friendship, deep accountability. But it's also the mm-hmm. thing that we avoid the, the most. 
in a lot of ways because of our lack of willingness to be vulnerable or transparent. And I was reading right. this recent article. It says that the greatest cause for, for men's uh, death is not going to be um, a heart attack. Um, it's going to be loneliness that, mm. that, that men are going to grow older and they're going to grow lonely. They're going to be, they're going to grow apart from community and relationship. And so the very mm-hmm. thing we long for and need to be happy and to thrive in our life of friendship and community is the thing that we often avoid, um, right. both men and women. Why is that even in your own life? When you look at that, I just think it's so natural for us to just, never want to be found weak, you know, and I, and I would say that's probably more so for men than for women, but I know even for myself, like I was, as I was thinking and praying about this, reflecting back on this time when I was in college, and I remember praying to God, like, Lord, please just send me someone that I can journey with, someone that I can share faith with, like this, this longing for community, and as I'm looking at it now, I think that God must have just wanted to, like, face bomb and say, like, what is she talking about? Because you know, I went to a Christian school, it wasn't a Catholic school, but it was a Christian school, and it was full of people who loved Jesus and loved the scriptures and served in missions and prayed with fervor, you know, and I think that my deal with not being able to connect with people was that I was really insecure about where I was. Like, I was in this place where I didn't really know where I was going. I was in a bad relationship. I was kind of dealing with all this mess that was coming up in my life and in my past. And I just felt really um, vulnerable and, and I had a lot of weakness showing. And like, I didn't want people to see that, you know? So when I prayed for God to send me, you know, this friend or this community, what I was really asking is like, send me somebody who's going to validate me in all of this insecurity, you know, instead of saying, give me the courage to just bear myself and be who I am to the people that you've already put in my life because they were already there. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think we do avoid relationships, intimacy, community, because we want to hide Uh, and we're afraid to be open and transparent and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. But also studies will show uh, statistics you can look at, but even the fact that looking in our own lives is when when we are vulnerable and open and transparent and we do have people in our lives, friends and family community, we're actually more happy. Uh, even though right. opening ourselves up to other people hurts, uh, we know that, mm-hmm. that it's so important to our livelihood and to our happiness. And yet this tension continues to build and build and build. Um, and so then, and then we, we avoid it. And I think, you know, to loop this back around with the man, men conversation and men in church and, and man avoiding faith is, um, I, I think men more than women avoid community because they avoid um, wanting to be vulnerable and open and honest. And I think that's even yeah. true within marriages, wouldn't you say? Yes. Yeah, I think that's so true. It's It's hard to do. And you wouldn't think that it's hard. And you don't really, it's hard to detect that struggle, you know, to, you think that you're totally fine sharing everything with your spouse, but the further that you go and the more things that come up and the uglier it starts to look, you know, the more it does become a little bit of a stretch to really just be honest about who you are, you know, that I could stand here like blistered and ugly and a mess and still be welcomed in, yep. you know? That's it. All right. This is Paul George Show. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity Healthcare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul George. Great to be with you. Have Kelly Pease Lombardi on the show with us. And so usually in the last segment, uh, it's Adam and I, uh, but we're keeping Kelly on for the interview because she's so great. And because we did the big <laughs> reveal today that <laughs> you you and I are related. Related? Yeah. I still don't think people are over it. They're probably still not ready for that, but... I know. Now I'm, they know. They better be. I'm sure when people hear this, my social media feeds will be full. <laughs> blowing up. Flowing. Your inbox is going to blow up. Because <laughs> um, you and I are both social media experts. <laughs> we really are. We're, we've been called the greatest social media users of this generation <laughs> by many. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, Kelly, we, Adam and I, um, and Adam's on. So welcome back, Adam. Hey, guys. Uh, so uh, we do a uh, six-pack of questions. So we're going to ask you, if you don't mind, staying on for the six-pack of questions. Question. Question number one. Um, so this is for both of you. We'll start with Kelly. Question okay. number one. Who's the manliest man you have ever shaken hands with? Ooh. Manliest man I've ever shaken hands with. Well, there's only one answer. I gotta say, my hub, Joey Lombardi, y'all. <laughs> he he's got those electrician hands. They're all swollen he's fingers. Got big old fat fingers. He yeah. does. He's got like pickle fingers. They're like the size of pickles. <laughs> the better to choke you with. Uh, that's pretty funny. Is it weird for me to talk about manly hands? No, that's fine. But who, who's the manliest? <laughs> person you've ever shaken the hands with biggest Paul. hands i know is actually a guy who lives here i'm friends with his name is greg hamilton oh, you yeah. shake his hands and you're just like what happened i just got <laughs> swallowed up he's such a great guy he's a big you know big football player <laughs> anyway well the second question uh kelly you can use your your husband for this reference what's the longest you've ever gone with a beard paul we'll start with paul wait longest so, so Paul, I'm sorry. Say it one more time. The what? What's the longest you've ever gone with a beard on your face, Paul? So he's, Paul. he's talking to me. Uh, the longest I've ever gone. So I went to I went to Italy for two weeks and didn't have a razor, and we were living and staying in hostels, and so that's the longest I went. It was maybe really? two two and a half weeks. I grew a goatee. It was horrible. <laughs> I don't I don't look good with facial hair. Huh. And Kelly's husband Joey can't grow a beard. Tell us about that, it's Kelly. It's totally patchy. It's embarrassing. It's a bad idea all the way around. How long has he tried? Like, what was the longest he tried to do that? I don't know. He gets on this bandwagon when other people are doing it, and, and he's just, <laughs> every year, it seems like, once a year, he thinks he's going to do this, and every year, I remind him, it doesn't work, which he'll try for, I don't know, like a month, and it's just like a patchy mess. <laughs> well, I, I think the biggest myth of, of manhood today is the fact that, that guys think they need to have a beard to prove that they're a man. And I just don't think yeah. facial hair uh, really <laughs> proves manhood. You can have a beard or not have a beard, and it doesn't make you more or less of a man. Right. What matters is that if you have a big truck or not. 
<laughs> well, in yep. the South. Put it in uh, the book. Yeah, in, in the South. And, you know, all of our Texas listeners are laugh, <laughs> laughing at that because uh, that's true. <laughs> Question number three. So, Keller, we'll start with you. So, in men's ministry, which is kind of what we've been talking about, what is this balance between calling men to task, but also realizing that people take time to change and, and kind of encouraging them to this gradual conversion? What's that? What's that sweet spot you think of, like, you know, hey, be a man, but also, all right, let's work with what we got and, and make some progress over time? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I can definitely answer from a female perspective or from the, you know, perspective of a wife, like in our relationships, you know, you really border on the um, line of nagging. I think that could be such a temptation, like, for a woman to look at something and see it and think if you just keep saying it and saying it and saying it, it'll change and get better. Um, but to me, what I've learned anyway is that it just doesn't work. It's never really a good idea. It doesn't really take you to through many positive places, you know. So, but my husband is awesome in the way that, like, he just, like, God just shows him things, like, as they come up, you know. And so mm-hmm. for me, I've learned that if I can just be at peace and just keep loving, you know, and hoping that he's doing the same for me because I've got all that same stuff too, you know, but... To me, that's gone so much further in our marriage is that when we just keep loving each other and calling each other to holiness through love rather than, hey, I see what you need to do, let me just tell you, and then you can do it. You know, that never really works. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And to add to that, Kelly, I think uh, one of the myths, I think, in marriages and, and in sharing sort of faith and spirituality is a lot of times I've found that, that women would just say, well, my husband just needs to have the same exact faith that I do and expression of it mm-hmm. as I do. And then and then the nagging sorts, as you say, instead of encouraging them to develop um, the masculine manly faith that God has for them that might look different, they might pray different, but it doesn't mean mm-hmm. there's certainly not a relationship with Christ there or a growing relationship in faith. And so where I see men thrive more is when... A, their, their spouse uh, really encourages them to have that their own faith there, their their own you know masculine manly faith. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. Question number four. We'll start with Paul. Paul, can you describe the difference of a man who is struggling and a man who just needs to grow up? What's the difference? Um, well, a, a man that just needs to grow up. You know, Saint Paul talks about it in Scripture. He says, you know, when I was a child, I acted like a child. Uh, had childish ways and did childish things. Every guy, every person has to come to grips with the reality is I have to put childish ways behind and I do need to grow up, right? I, I need to stop wasting time. I need to be more responsible with my with my calendar. I need to go to work. I need to go to work on time. Um, I, I need to do all these things. I need to spend less time playing around and more time planning and doing things. There are childish things that we need to do behind. So to answer your question that, like, like there, there are people, uh, and particularly guys, as we're, we're saying, who who simply need to just wake up and say, you know what? There, I still do childish things uh, that I need to stop doing. And, and we're not talking about fun or leisure or enjoying life. We're not talking about that. We're talking about childish things keep you from growing into manhood, into adulthood. So the, mm-hmm. the flip side of that question is, when's a guy just struggling? Is when he's trying to grow up, or is growing up, or is doing adult things and is just hitting patches in life and in the road where it's just a struggle. Life's hard. And he just needs someone to walk with him through that. Interesting. Kelly, what's your take? Yeah, I think, I don't know. I kind of see, I don't know that I can really see the separation between, 
the two fully because I think that, you know, it's just everything is a process. Like, growing up is something that's just constantly always happening, you know, for us. And I think it's all about just cooperating with God's grace. And, and I guess that's what I would say is maybe my real answer, the difference between struggling and just needing to grow up. If you are in that category of needing to grow up, what you need to learn how to do is cooperate with God's grace in your life. You know, are you listening? Are you, are you experiencing the grace of the sacraments? Are you making yourself available to it? You know, if you're doing that, then you're growing, you know. But, yeah, you're probably still going to struggle along the way. you just got to keep tapping back into that pool of grace. All right, Kelly, question number five. We'll start with you. Um, in the church today, men who are actually there, who actually go to Mass and involved in things, still have this temptation to uh, kind of be competitive and territorial within the church, you know, within their mm-hmm. ministry, their ideas, whatever. So what's the difference between, like, a healthy competition in the church or, like, a healthy uh, dynamic but unhealth- and, and an unhealthy dynamic between two men? Gosh, that sounds like so out of my league. I think because, like, that to answer that question, because we just have this mentality. Like, Joey and I are both kind of the same way. Like, when it comes to competition and, like, who's doing what and who's doing more, like, we're kind of like, you know what, guys? You could all just have at that. Just fight, it. <laughs> fight it out to the death. Like, we will be here and we'll help you if you need, but, like, we're not, you know, in our, in this fight to kind of be better or do more, even maybe sometimes to a fault. Like, I think we both tend to sit back a little bit just because of where we are with our life and our kids. It's like the only race that we can run is at home with our kids and with our family. And for us to try to jump in and do too much more in this season of our lives would almost be a disservice to everybody around us. So I got to hear Paul's answer on this one. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say guys and girls do the same thing, but we use different terms. Guys compete, girls compare. Mm-hmm. But actually, one of Kelly's, mm-hmm. Kelly's favorite authors, Brent Brown, uh, wrote a great mm-hmm. book, and she just says, stay in your lane. And when you get out of mm-hmm. your lane, you begin to compare and you lose focus. And so I think mm-hmm. we just stay in our lane and just be okay with who we are. And right. God takes care of the rest. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, last question. We'll start with Paul. Uh, what would be your first tip? If a parish wants to change the t- t- statistic you mentioned of way more women than men, mm-hmm. what would be your first tip? to change that statistic? Uh, Hands down, my first tip would be to develop um, organic relationships, discipleship, and accompaniment within the parish. So everything's built around actually authentic friendship, authentic relationship, and growth together. When you do that, guys will thrive, so will women, uh, because it's built on on true, authentic encounter uh, in relationship. Cool. Kelly, what would you say? Food, man. Just keep cooking good food and <laughs> invited him to come. Seriously, like I've read so many things about community building and drawing people in. And seriously, it sounds dumb, but it's true. That centers around food. Like we all need to eat, and we all like don't want to cook or clean up. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> so, true. And, and like, just keep and, inviting people to break bread. I mean, there's something so like deep about even the simple scriptures about getting together and breaking bread. I mean, that was like the basics of how you get together and have community and, and be welcomed in. And that's it, because around food is relationships. You know, we come together mm-hmm. um, around food to, to laugh and enjoy life and to have conversation. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's been mm-hmm. a great show. Kelly, I uh, can't thank you enough for, for hopping on today. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. And for sharing with us. Um, it's great. We're going to have you back on for our segment. 
uh, just because. Awesome. Just because we can. Sounds great. Can't wait. Just because. Just, <laughs> just got born right here, right now. So anyway, uh, you can find the show at paulgeorge.la, iTunes, Google Play, all of the above. Share it uh, with the world. Uh, great to have you. Adam, thanks so much for all your help and being on the show. Thanks, Kelly. Uh, it's the Paul George Show. We'll be back next week. God bless. God bless.